Welcome to the Directions Mag Geo Inspirations podcast series with Joseph Kursky. Well, greetings all. Joseph Kursky here in the Geo Inspirations podcast series. I'm so excited about today because I've got Candice Scherenbrock here from Pro West and Associates. Welcome, Candice. Thanks, Joseph. It is awesome to be here. The readers should know, the consumer of the podcast should know that I've actually only known you about six months, although I've known about Pro West for quite a few years and about your innovation and GIS and all things geospatial. Maybe the, the listener of this knows about your company, but perhaps if they're unfamiliar with them or you, if you could describe your role there and also what ProWest does, I think that would be a nice sort of context setting sure. initial discussion. Sure, absolutely. So <clears throat> I'm president and CEO of ProWest and Associates. I've been there for about going on 19 years. And I ProWest is a GIS services company. Uh, we're an Esri shop and we serve local government agencies across the U.S. So we're helping cities and counties and state and federal government implement Esri technology. We have a team of data technicians that are creating data and merging data and analyzing data and doing everything with data. We have a team of programmers that are doing application development and lots of coding. And we have a team of solutions experts which are utilizing Esri's off-the-shelf solutions to configure things like COVID symptoms checker checkers and all sorts of really cool solutions for a government client. So that's what we do. Mm-hmm. Well, that's impressive. I wonder if you could comment about, okay, here we are recording this in 2021 and the things that have happened over the last 12 months. Have you seen people from maybe different professions now saying, hey, we want what ProWest is offering because of the health situation that we've all been in, in an enhanced or an improved or a a different way than they maybe would have asked a year ago? Oh, for sure. I'd say there's two major changes that I've seen since March when COVID really hit. One was public health departments and government agencies all of a sudden became primary users of GIS. Mm. They went from being very underutilized to utilizing utilizing GIS on a regular basis and using GIS to identify spatial trends and to help with vaccine rollouts and all kinds of things. So definitely seeing a change in how public health departments think about GIS and use GIS. The other is racial equity, right? We see a lot of cities and counties rolling out racial equity plans across their entire organizations. And so we're seeing all departments throughout government agencies starting to think about and use GIS in different ways. It's been really cool to see the evolution last several months. Yes, it is an amazing time to be in geospatial. I think, you know, given what I know about you and the career panel that we served on at the Minnesota GIS LIS conference a few months back, that you're very much into giving back to the community. And I hope to dig into that a little bit with you. But right at the beginning here, you can probably relate. I used to show 
a, a smartphone, you know, in my intro to GIS uh, workshops and seminars, hey, have you ever used a, a map on your phone or an app to figure out your way across campus or the way to your grandmother's house or, or whatever? And now I usually show grim and sad, but but it is uh, in people's consciousness, the JHU coronavirus dashboard. I mean, that is the most popular dashboard that's ever been, sadly, unfortunately, right. created, but at least people are aware that this is valuable and it's helping me make my maybe my decision about what to do today or this week and helping communities plan their own policies and and uh, going forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. It's completely transformed, completely transformed how how GIS is seen for sure. Indeed. Now, I was doing some research on you after I met you at the career panel. And I just think it's fascinating to look at, you know, how you started with Pro West, then you became the vice president. Now you're president and CEO. And I wonder if you could maybe describe that pathway to our listeners that, you know, some of them are students and they're wondering, you know, how do I do what Candice is doing uh, or, or something similar? So if you could describe that journey of yours, that'd be really fascinating. So my, my career journey at a really high level is that I have an undergraduate degree in biology, chemistry, and mass communication. I had several different internships. I worked for a vet clinic. I worked for a land trust. I worked at a shoe store. I did lots of different things. When I graduated, I became a naturalist at a nature center in Iowa, and I did that for a while. Then I got my master's degree in GIS and I worked at a regional development commission and then I ended up at ProWest and I've had a very long journey at ProWest. And I would say that all along through all those, all those different aspects of my career, I never really, I never truly knew what I wanted to do when I grew up, right? <laughs> it, was, it was always a journey and exploring what felt right, what interest me, right, as I, as I went along throughout my journey. And I would say that some of the things as an undergraduate that really helped me, not only back then, but through my entire career, was that I, I was exposed to many different types of classes and experiences. So when I reflect back on my undergrad, I took a reporting class. I took a public relations class and I took an organizational communication class. In reporting, I learned you know, fundamentals of just writing, right? And telling a story and knowing that everybody has a story. Well, gosh, 20 years later, what am I doing at ProWest? What is our team doing at ProWest? We're telling stories. Mm -hmm. We're telling stories with story maps. So public relations class, right? We're learning about public speaking and aligning your message to your audience. And what am I doing at ProWest? I'm on podcasts. I'm speaking in front of city councils and county boards, right? I'm looking about, I'm taking something highly technical like GIS and aligning that message to non-technical people and decision makers and executives. And organizational communication was all about surviving in the workplace, right? How do you communicate with your team members and how do you communicate throughout your organization and how do you communicate with the public? And guess what I'm doing at ProWest right now? I'm doing all of those things. And we're not only doing those things at ProWest, but we're helping our government agencies 
engage with their citizens and their public. All of those fundamental courses and being ex being exposed to those types of courses has served me well throughout my throughout my career. And when I went on to get my master's degree in GIS from St. Mary's in Winona, Minnesota. Awesome. I love those river towns. I love, I love Winona. It is such an awesome. Red awesome Wing, place. Prairie du Chien. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yes. Lacrosse. Okay. Yep. Tons of mountain biking trails, canoeing. It's, it's great. In my master's program, I was exposed to lots of things that really just, you know, made my palms sweat, like programming classes. And back, <laughs> back then it was Avenue Coding and ArcView 3.x, right? They don't have that anymore. But back then, being exposed to those programming classes, I was writing AMLs and workstation. I was projecting data using command line and workstation. And those things, those things were all very nerve wracking as a student. And I remember not, not liking it <laughs> very much, but it helped me understand the foundation of the technology, um, which has really served me well throughout, throughout my career to really understand the guts of how the software comes together and, and how it works under the hood was extremely beneficial. Also throughout my journey to where I'm at, I had several, a couple different internships during my master's that were really critical, right? I worked for the Minnesota DNR and I worked for the Rochester Olmsted County Consolidated Planning Department under Phil Wheeler at the time, who's no longer there. And I also volunteered in the GIS lab at St. Mary's. And those internships were critical for me. I learned a lot about not only GIS, but just about people, right? And presenting and speaking and writing. So overall, I never set out to be a CEO. I didn't wake up one day and said, man, I think being a CEO is, is the thing for me, right? <laughs> that was never in my plan. It's something that just happened while I was moving through my career and enjoying what I was doing. Well, there's so many things in, in what you're saying that I think really resonate with me and I think with the, with, they will with the listeners as well. One of which was you had that amusing statement, which I think we can all relate to. I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do when I grew up. I yeah. think in part... People in geospatial are, we're curious about a lot of different things, mm -hmm. right, Candice? Right. So that's one thing. And, and, and I would just you know, advise people listening to this, it's okay to have a diverse set of interests. And I would argue that you know, to solve all of these complex, perplexing problems of our 21st century world, we need people that are curious about a lot of different things, water and energy and human health and, and social uh, injustice, and racial inequity, and all the other things that you were touching on. Uh, and much more that we could mention. So, and you know, in, in, in geospatial is supposed to be about understanding systems of systems, like a carbon cycle and the atmosphere and the lithosphere and the hydrosphere and the human sphere. And so I think that's actually good. Another thing that I think is impressive about your story is that you served as as vice, you were, you were an employee there, a, an analyst at ProWest for how many years? And then you were vice president for how many years? And then? Yeah, so <clears throat> when I was hired at ProWest, they really didn't know what they were going to do with me. <laughs> I showed up on their doorstep 
because I was moving to the area and I knew about ProWest. So I physically showed up in their doorstep with my resume and said, hey, I am a GIS professional. I have some experience. Here's my resume. And uh, if you're looking for someone, I'm going to be like literally right up the road. <laughs> so I was hired. And when I first started, I did lots of different things. I was a technician. I helped write articles for like the Minnesota GIS LAS newsletter at the time. I went to conferences. I edited utility data. I analyzed addresses. I created address data. I did pretty much whatever, whatever was asked of me. Mm -hmm. And I always tried to, to give it my all, right? And always deliver a little bit more than what the client expected. And after about six or seven years, I was asked to become vice president. And uh, I remember thinking, well, that, that really me? I don't know, really? But uh, I was already doing a lot of those, a lot of the vice president uh, tasks. I had moved into more of a leadership role. I was uh, working with our teams in an integrated fashion. I was more involved with project management and some of the decision-making. And so I was vice president for about 10 years. And then the uh, previous CEO, Annette Throw, retired and the board of directors um, who are all ProWest employees elected me as, uh, as CEO. And that's, that's the story. And again, it's not something that I set out to do. I never planned to step up to the VP role. I never planned to step up to the CEO role, but I just have always loved GIS and I have always loved working at ProWest and the culture. And I'm so proud of that organization that I just, I love being a part of it every day. Mm -hmm. Well, it's very inspiring, Candice. And, you know, kudos to you for seeing the long-term implications of what the, the value that the company was doing. Mm -hmm. And I tell, I know we were on that career panel again, yeah. tell students all the time, you know, pick an organization that unless you're a private consultant and working completely on your own, you've got to, you've got to work for an organization and you got to think about a, how you can support that organization's goals, but also try to choose an organization that at least shares some of your own personal values sure. about making a positive difference in the world, as I know you are doing. And it may not align perfectly with your own organization, your own personal values, but, but try to pick an organization that you feel good about. Like you work for DNR. Yeah. Uh, I love those. Those, those are some of the unsung heroes right there. Those, those people working away in the DNR and they're, they're, they may be out in the field, they're getting bit by mosquitoes, they're, they're you know, knee deep in, in wetlands and they're measuring water quality. I mean, those are the people that, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm right with you. And also, I think another part of your story that, that it really, I think, should resonate with the, with the listeners and they should really take note of this is that it didn't happen overnight. You had to put in a lot of years and showed that you really were committed and you were a good communicator and you saw the value of GIS. And, and, and I'm glad you touched on how exactly it happened with you because I think a lot of people don't know, you know, how do I get to be CEO? Is it elected? Is it, is it applied? Is it posted as a job? You know, that type of thing. Right. Another thing that strikes me about you is that you're very technical, even though you are, you know, probably in lots of meetings and do lots of communication and writing and speaking and so on. You're very technical as well. So you haven't lost the 
uh, you know, really knowing no. the nuts and bolts of GIS? You definitely, you definitely have to keep up on the technical. And I, I do, I do tell, I do tell staff all the time, you know, I, I rely on them to help educate me on things, you know, as, as well in, in my position, but you do, you do have to have an understanding, a basic understanding of the technology to be able to tie it into business needs, right? And business challenges and how those two things align. So yes, that technical aspect never really, never, it never goes away. It's, it's always with you on some level. Indeed. I mean, I think about, you know, I'm at ESRI, as you know, and uh, Jack Dangerman is it's extremely technical. He knows JavaScript, he knows Python, he knows software engineering. I don't know if that's true. You know, it's it, so you and Jack D and others in geospatial technology that are at that position, they still love the technology. They, more importantly, they know what what positive benefits it can bring to communities and to nonprofits and to or other organizations. But I just would advise people, you know, if you're thinking about going into so, some leadership role like Kendis here, that you don't have to give up your technical expertise. Now, sure, there, you and I, Kendis, we're not in the software. Uh, right. Eight hours a day, like we like we were in the past. You know, there's a, there's writing, and there's speaking, and there's there's yeah. framing the vision and all that. Yeah. So, you know, once again, it speaks to you. You got a community. You, you rely on that community, Minnesota GIS, yeah. LIS, or your own employees, yeah. etc. Yeah. yeah. So it it but it's 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 it speaks to yeah, that we do need each other, and and we do have a great community. There's very passionate people in this, right? Oh, I, and that's, that's a huge reason why I've always just loved GIS is because the sky's the limit. The sky's the limit. You can apply the technology to anything. You can apply the technology to anyone. And I love the, the type of people that are, I love GIS people, right? I just, I love, mm -hmm. I love people that are fact finders and that are curious and that are trying to use technology to solve problems. And to be surrounded by that community, both at ProWest as well as in Minnesota and nationwide is just, it's awesome. It's exhilarating. <laughs> Indeed. You know, since we're anchored on space and place, oftentimes in GIS, um, could you tell folks exactly where the, the headquarters is of ProWest? Sure. So the headquarters of ProS is in Walker, Minnesota, which is about 1,500 people in northwestern Minnesota. It's about four hours north of Minneapolis. And most people think, gosh, aren't you almost to Canada? Well, there's still two more hours before you get to Canada. So it's a long north-south state for it's sure. Long, it's a long state, right? So I, uh, after, after I graduated, uh, well, so ProWest, I guess I'll start there with ProWest. ProWest ended up in Walker because uh, Cass County, which is the county that Walker's in, uh, back in the mid to late 80s, uh, the land department needed to map out all of their forestry stands, all their forest stands. And the land department head at the time was trying to figure out how he was going to do that. And I believe in the late 80s, uh, PC Arc Info was released by Esri at that time, right? So I, I used it in grad school, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, just really raw points, lines, and polygons, right? And that's about it. But but for its time, it's like, wow, I can run this on a PC? Cool. Exactly, right, yeah. So, so the land department head happened to know a local forester and happened to know a local civil engineer. 
and their names were Greg Proper and Lee Westfield, thus the names Pro West. Ah. So, oh, so Greg and Lee got together, formed Pro West, and began mapping out uh, forest stands for land departments in northern Minnesota. We have lots of trees up here, lots of forest. Logging is a, is a, is a big industry up here. And so that's how Pro West got started. And Greg and Lee uh, both still live in Walker to this day. Uh, they officially retired in 2014. And uh, that's how Pro West ended up working, uh, ended up in Walker. Now, we are very fortunate that we have a great university, Bemidji State University, which is about 45 minutes up the road in Bemidji, Minnesota. And they have a geography department. And so, mm -hmm. and they also have a great computer science department as well. And so we're very fortunate. Many of our staff come from the BSU program. Uh, UMD is also really great. St. Cloud State, St. Mary's, right? So uh, we, mm -hmm. we have a lot of people that come to work for us that not only enjoy GIS, but they love the outdoors. They're hunters, mm -hmm. <laughs> canoers, right? There's lots of that outdoors. It's the perfect location for all of that, yes. Exactly, so they can do their cool technical stuff during the day and then we can have our fun outdoors uh, at night, right? So uh, that's how ProS ended up in Walker and we've just been there ever since, since 1987. That is awesome, I love it. Here's another thing that I think would be interesting if you could perhaps touch on, and that is, you mentioned in your journey some of the key experiences you've had. Is there a instructor, a mentor, maybe a book, uh, or some sort of experience that really, really inspired you, maybe that kind of float above the others? This is really easy for me. I, my number one mentor in my entire career was definitely Annette Thoreau, who was the previous CEO of ProWest. And we worked together for 17 years. And I'm sure that some listeners here know her because she's uh, been in the GIS industry for a long time. She's of course, has a, she's retired now, much deserved. But, you know, Annette, Annette was, uh, Annette had a very similar journey to mine at ProWest. She started out as a technician, became vice president, became president. And she, she hired me. And she, she was my, she was my mentor and confidant um, the, the, the whole way. And I think what was really, another thing that really drew me to ProS is that I hadn't really seen a woman in a leadership position like that before in, in my life anyway, and the experience that I had uh, growing up. And so to see a woman in that type of a leadership position, and especially at the time, you know, 20 years ago, it was definitely more of a male dominated field. So she, she definitely helped me realize that truly all things are possible in your career. Uh, and that if you, if you work hard and you follow what you love doing, uh, that you can really accomplish great things. And she was, she was, she was always, she was always there. And when I started, I obviously understood technology, but I was new to project management, to working with clients, navigating difficult conversations, all those things that kind of come from, from working. And she helped me, she helped me navigate all of that. And uh, she's definitely a big reason why I am uh, where I am today. 
and I'm eternally grateful to her. Well, appreciate you sharing those stories. I would remind the listeners that there is a very prominent uh, women in GIS group on the web. There's LinkedIn groups. There's a, there's an Esri Press book that's in, I think it's second or third edition now uh, and much more. So yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, you know, we've got some, some ways to go as we talked about a bit before we started formally uh, chatting here today. Uh, yeah. And as we chatted about on the careers panel that where I met you uh, in terms of uh, lots of different aspects of diversity in geospatial technology. But one of the things that's encouraging to me is stories like yours, but also the, the, the way that GIS is becoming a part of different academic programs in universities. So digital history, uh, humanities, engineering, data science, health, and, and by doing so, I think we're going, we're, we're kind of sowing the seeds where, the, you know, the future graduates are going to come out of these other fields and lend a lot more uh, aspects and diversity to, to geospatial in terms of mm-hmm. people from all kinds of different backgrounds and people with all kinds of different interests and so on. And so it, we're going to be able to tackle some of these, you know, these interdisciplinary, all these problems are interdisciplinary. So we need these additional people to weigh in on those problems. They can't all be from geography or environmental st- science, although that's still important, or from planning or engineering, they've got to. We've got to have a whole uh, community, right, of of mm-hmm. of people with with different backgrounds and interests and in wanting to tackle certain aspects of these problems. So, oh, I, I, I love your inspiring story, Candice. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, it. I think oftentimes people, um, in talking with other folks that hire um, new grads. Sometimes it's like, hey, do you, uh, in three years, I want to be doing this. Well, sometimes you need to, you know, it's hard when you're maybe 22 and you got your bachelor's degree to think about the long-term goals that you have. And certainly they can change. You know, I always encourage people, you know, you're not, you know, you don't have to just follow this one pathway for life, but I think there's value in, yeah, doing careful research on the organizations you want to work for. And think about, you know, it may be years before you're really doing what you want to do. I mean, I, I worked at the USGS for 17 years, for example, and I was doing a lot of different things in, in that sort of tenure there. But it was only in the last eight years-ish that I was there, maybe 10 years, that I was doing more of the educational work that I really wanted to do. And it took me a while to get there and sort of blaze that trail. But I think there's there's value in, you know, getting to know the, the institution's culture and then, okay, how can I make a unique, positive sure. contribution to that, to that organization? Absolutely. I think for me, you know, for me working at ProWest, there was so much flexibility and really identifying what I truly love to do and what I excelled at and, and being able to, you know, work with leadership to really hone in and, and expand those skills and what I wanted to do. And, you know, like you said, not, not every organization is, is like that. And you really have to, you really have to get out there and ask questions and call if you're interested in an organization, pick up the phone, call them, talk with them about what they do, how their organization works, you know, do they have core values that they follow, you know, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really important to be able to go to work every day and enjoy what you're doing and enjoy the people around you. And I know when I talk with students, I always encourage them to pick up the phone, pick up the phone and call people and talk with them, whether it's part of a regional 
GIS community like Minnesota GIS LIS has a, you know, a professional mentorship program, mm-hmm. get, involved, get involved with those, you know, Eurissa has great options. You know, if you're interested in a business, pick up the phone and call people, people want to share their stories. I feel. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes they're, you know, they, they may feel underappreciated, you know, picture your, you know, uh, assessor's office GIS person in a county. Uh, they're, they're doing good work. They don't often get calls, emails about, Hey, what are you doing? And, or, you know, how are you doing? And what's your approach? And wow, like you said, I can't even think of a person in in the land of geospatial that has been, you know, abrasive or, or I'm not going to share data or, I mean, we all have have different personalities and we can't all be, uh, we don't all need to be, you know, extroverts and good communicators and that sort of thing. Well, I I would argue that we, we, we do need to be good communicators, but, but room for lots of different kinds of personalities, but yeah, people, Oftentimes they they don't feel appreciated in their role. They're doing important work, but nobody's telling them. So yeah, I love that whole yeah. mentorship and geo mentorship that has evolved over the last you know 15, 20 years. It's just been grand. It is. It is. It's fantastic. Speaking of points in the journey, can you identify a project or initiative that you really feel proud that that you were a part of? Definitely most recently has been participating in all of our solutions work and data work around supporting uh, the coronavirus efforts uh, with our cities and counties. Uh, it, you know, earlier this year, it was, it was so uncertain for our government clients, what was going, what was going to happen mm-hmm. and where do we, where do we get data and how do we use the technology to communicate with the public regarding what's going on, right? And so to, to, be, to be a part of utilizing the technology to support cities and counties and how they are making sure that they're gathering the right data, they're compiling the right data, they're using cool technologies like Hub and Story Maps to educate the public and to even help with operations internally. You know, we just helped a county uh, implement a, a COVID symptom checker solution with Survey123. And that's in rural Minnesota. I mean, rural Minnesota, tiny cities and counties are utilizing GIS to support the health and wellness of not only their internal staff, but also the general public. And for me, it's just been absolutely phenomenal to see all of this unfold over the past year. And it's been really inspiring to be a part of. Well, I appreciate you sharing that, Candice. I wish, well, there's two things that come to mind. First, I wish in part that we were on video because um, <laughs> I, I would love to have the, the, the readers see this cool backdrop that you have for your, for your video feed right now, which is, it's basically a sort of an oblique aerial photo uh, and a lot of different data points uh, on it, and it, it's it's compelling, but it also speaks to what you're talking about right now. That GIS is 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 kind of a great equalizer, right? Because you don't have to be, you know, some very populous county or a big organization to take advantage of these tools that Candice is describing. You can be a rural county or a rural town and and you know implement these geospatial solutions and make your community more resilient, smarter, better, healthier, happier, etc. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. absolutely. That's when I t- you know we were talking in our career panel 
and telling students, this is a technology that you can feel good about. Mm-hmm. For one thing, it's being used by, you know, the Jane Goodall Elephant Foundation on down to your local county yeah. doing positive things to benefit people's lives. But secondly, uh, and I think you touched on this several points in the talk today, but it's more than the technology. It's the people right. and right. the the models, the, the solutions, the workflows, et cetera. It's not just that you know how to buffer and overlay and geocode. <laughs> right. <laughs> Although those are super fun, too. They're super fun. <laughs> Indeed. What about this, Candice? Um, what do you think we need to work on as, as the, the geospatial enviro uh, community? You know, looking forward into, you know, deeper into this decade and maybe looking forward to 2030. What, what do we need to work on? Sure. So I think there's a couple things. One is, is that ensure students understand how spatial data is created and maintained. It's so fun once you get data to be able to analyze it and put it into a story map and push it out to the public and use all these great solutions that are out there. But you have to have data. It all starts with data. You need good data. So ensuring that when people are entering in their GIS career, whether they're a planner, right, or a fire chief, we have planners and uh, fire inspectors and, you know, public health officials and election officials and, and all these different folks, right, that are, that are using GIS, but you have to understand what the data is that's supporting it, right? You have to have that foundational mm-hmm. knowledge of what is the data that's driving my solution? Where did it come from? How is it created? How is it going to be maintained? All of those things are important because data comes from many different places, field collection, other business systems, you know, digitizing aerial photos, scanning other public websites, right? And understanding the fundamentals of data and data analytics is key in my opinion. And the other is, is a GIS professional and, and students coming out into this profession, again, regardless of what their position is, right? Like we were talking earlier, is that being exposed to not only technical skills, but communications, business, IT, networking, right? All of those, having exposure to all of those different types of industries is really important. And I think working on making sure that GIS professionals, regardless of their position, regardless of whether, you know, leader or manager or supervisor, regardless of their title, that they're exposed to those two things are important in, in my opinion, moving this community forward. Indeed. Thank you for your insights. If you had to think about, okay, new folks getting into the field and, you know, touching on, mm-hmm. okay, could be new students from just with their graduate degree or undergraduate degree getting into geospatial or with a certificate from a community college, let's say, or mid-career people that have not completely discounted their, their past, but they've, they've wanted to use maybe my IT experience or my AEC construction experience, and now I want to do more in the way of, of geospatial technology, you know, so mid-career types. What would you, what would you advise those either one of those groups or maybe both. Yeah. So, so for both of those groups, I think one of the best things you can do is you can leverage 
your uh, local and regional GIS groups, right? So here in Minnesota, we have several regional GIS groups where GIS professionals come to hang out, right? And then we also have our regional Minnesota GIS LIS consortium, for example. Wisconsin has one, right? Most states have these regional consortiums. And in, at least here in Minnesota, both those regional groups and our statewide group have mentorship programs, have networking activities, right? And obviously right now, some of those in-person ne networking activities are kind of subdued, but there's definitely virtual opportunities to be able to network with other GIS professionals, get out there, ask questions, get involved in those groups and get introduced to people that can help guide you right along the way. And so I think for me, accessing those groups is definitely one of the best things that either one of those groups could do to figure out what their next step is. Well, you're certainly practicing what you're preaching because I know that you are extremely active in professional societies and universities and doing all you can. I don't know how you do it. Uh, <laughs> being CEO and having, well, I, I, I suppose it's, you make time for what's important, right? And I think, gosh, you know, the things that stand out, you know, in someone's career, you know, looking back are, you know, those moments that you've had with a student, with, with a group of people that uh, you get excited about GIS, and then they go and do amazing things. You know, they go way beyond what you maybe planted some seeds, and now there's whole forests of, of amazing work being done. And, you know, we're, we're going to remember those moments, right? We're not going to remember, you know, um, um, the other important things that we do day to day, but, but they, don't, they don't have those sort of resonating um, times where we really know that, uh, that we've made a positive difference. And I, I think that you're, again, I don't know how you do it, but um, you're really living what you're saying and advising today on, on our podcast. So thank you. Well, thank, thank you. And it's, it's very true. I, you know, at ProWest, being able to be in a position to affect people's lives and affect people's careers and their journeys and to be able to provide the foundation for learning and growth is, is why I wake up every day. And, uh, you know, I, I do a lot of resume, you know, resume reviews for uh, Minnesota GS LAS and and I love doing it. I love I I love reviewing the resumes and going over those with with people that are entering the workforce or are mid career, right? Because it's the possibilities the possibilities are really endless, and you have so many options out there. And it's just it's it's so much fun to be able to take your own career journey and and give back. And I hope that I hope that all GIS people do that in the end. Indeed. Well, I do sense a, as you touched on earlier, a very uh, strong spirit of giving back to the community, whether that community is my own um, uh, local uh, food bank or, or uh, uh, Habitat for Humanity or working with students or, you know, all of the above uh, in, in, the, in the community. They're, they're very keen on, on that idea. Even before it was maybe more mainstream and popular, people were doing that, you know, maybe not even writing an article. And this is the, day, the days before blogs and stuff like that. Right. But they were they were active, the geospatial yeah. community. Yeah. Um, and, you know, another thing, touching on your reviews of the resumes and advice for uh, students, do you find that people oftentimes 
discount their non-GIS experience when they're applying for some sort of GIS role? I mean, you mentioned that you worked in a, in a shoe store and you did volunteer work for, you know, a, 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 a nature center and that sort of thing. Do you find that that oftentimes happens? It happens all the time. 99% of the time. Yes, it, it does. It does. And I would say that's probably the number one thing that I work on with students that are crafting their resumes is, well, what are you doing right now? Oh, I, you know, I, I work at Walmart or, you know, I work in a factory and I put blue screws together, you know, and things like that. So I'm not going to put those kinds of things on my resume. And I'm like, absolutely, you should. Absolutely, you should. One, one particular girl that I worked with recently, she, she had a, she had a job where she, it was like a, with a landscaping company where she had to get up like at three o'clock in the morning and get to work and prep things. And she's like, well, why would I want to put that on my resume? Well, how many people get up at three or four o'clock in the morning when they're 20 years old and, you know, go prep, you know, dirt and equipment to go, you know, landscaping for the day. And those are all important skills as a, as an employer, someone who's hiring someone to see that kind of work ethic mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, is really, is really important. So those things are so important to put on resumes. And that's what I work on, honestly, the most with people when, when we work together on them. I've seen that as well. Oh, I had 10 years in retail. I'm, I'm not going to, oh, I'm, I'm going to discount that. Well, you had to be organized. You had to work with customers. You had to think about the business plan. You had to work with figures and numbers and right. all that sort of thing. And, you know, another thing that, you know, I wish we had more time, but the whole, I, you know, thing that's behind the scenes is that, you know, Pro West and other GIS companies, you know, you're not getting, you're not getting grants, you know, yeah. you have to go out and seek opportunities and, you know, the way to, to support your ongoing operations and to keep uh, your employees employed and to do the good work that you're doing for communities and, and, and many others, you got you to gotta have a good business sense for how you're going to navigate in this sort of very competitive GIS world. So right. I really admire that as well. And I wish we had more time to dig into, you know, students and others listening to this to develop their business acumen, their skills. Yes. Mm -hmm. For sure. That may be podcast number two. Oh, gosh, that would be a joy. Candice has shared her. I asked her to share a couple of her favorite maps, and I invite you folks to look at uh, Marie Tharp's map of the ocean floor. I love that one, Candice. The folded map project uh, for Chicago, looking at uh, north side neighborhoods versus south side neighborhoods and the power of GIS to tell, like you were saying earlier, those mm -hmm. narratives, those stories, really powerful. And uh, Candice has got the Eurissa GIS Leadership Academy in there, folks. I, I've not read The Obstacle is the Way, which is another resource that Candice shared. So now I'm, I'm very curious. Could you tell us a bit about that one? Uh, yeah, so I'm, in a, I'm a member of a, a professional uh, women's group for CEOs. And uh, I was referred that book uh, in, in that group because uh, not only as CEOs, but just in our personal and professional lives, we, we run into obstacles, right, in our, in our lives um, every day, whether it's personal or with, uh, at, at work. <clears throat> and so uh, the book is really inspirational as far as being able to tell the story, right, of successful people throughout history mm -hmm. and how they have addressed obstacles and how they have worked, worked through them. And for me, um, I went back and I've listened to the book, you know, several times. I don't drive as much as I used to anymore. <laughs> I I, I'm not listening to, to things as much anymore. But um, I, I, I love that book because it's very inspirational. 
And it's, it's a great reminder that we all face obstacles and there's always a way through. And uh, some days, some days are, are harder than others. It's not an easy path. And uh, it's a, it's a great, it's a great book to, to give you some inspiration. Oh, there's so much in the way of wonderful things that you've just mentioned. I just I'll, let me just pick out one of them. And that is having people realize that, hey, you may pick an organization that, again, aligns with your own, some of your own personal values. Great. You may be in a field that you really love, like geospatial, geography, environmental studies, planning, whatever it is. But there will be challenges. And there will be days where you think, gosh, is this really the best fit for me? We all go through that. And I, I like to, I like that you mentioned that because it's, that's, that's reality. You know, we all have days when it's frustrating. We all have days where um, we don't feel like we're being listened to or that we're communicating well or whatever the challenge may be. The resources are out there to help you get through those, those tough times and, and, and they are tough in any organization. And I've worked with, you know, nonprofits and federal and in private companies. And I also am in academia and every one of those has been challenging in some way. Sure. They've all been worthwhile to pursue in the end. Well, Candice, I don't want to keep you more time because I know you've got things, problems to solve and people to communicate with and a company to run. Uh, but I wish you personally all the best uh, success in the future in your own personal growth and also your professional uh, career. Wish you, you know, all, all good roads in the future, but also uh, I wish continued success for uh, Pro West and the organization that you are in charge of. All the best to you all. Thank you, Joseph. And thank you for having me. And thank you for having this podcast. It's it's awesome that you're doing this. And it's wonderful to be part of. Thank you. Well, very much appreciate you sharing what you shared today. All the best, Candice. Thank you. Mm-hmm.